in prayer together Father we are thankful that your eye is on the sparrow and that you're watching over us each and every one of us today as we look to your word to find peace to find hope to find comfort may we know in the depths of our hearts Lord for each one listening today that you have indeed not abandoned us, but you're here with us. The birds are singing. And we are looking to you this day, our God, to minister to the very depths of our heart with the power of your grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I'd like for you to look with me to the book of Second Corinthians. And this morning's message is simply titled, In Times of Trouble. In Times of Trouble. Jesus reminded us that in the world there would be troubles and tribulations. But then Jesus goes on to give the counterpoint, and that is, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The power and reality of God's presence is a reality that is not based on our circumstances or it's not involved in our situation currently. His presence is with us, in other words. The Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, said this. He was a man who understood the reality of suffering. He understood the reality of troubles. And much of his troubles were... Uh, the result of many times of, of his newfound faith in, in Christ, meeting Christ on the road to Damascus. And after that, it, uh, he, he faced persecution and troubles. And he said this about uh, the troubles that he experienced. His troubles were for the sake of the gospel. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. He says, we're hunted down or persecuted, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Though suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Christ so that the life of Jesus may be seen 
in our bodies. The first thing that Paul reminds us of here in this passage is that in times of trouble, that troubles feel like a constricting pressure. He calls it a pressure as such. He says that they are as a constricting pressure. It kind of narrows our life down to feel like that we're in a closed-in space. He called it pressures. Now, we're living in a time that there's a lot of pressures. Most of us live with pressures all of our lives. And in our current uh, crisis of our day, um, it, is, it is the reality that, uh, that we are dealing with uh, pressure on a whole new level when, when our lives have been changed, uh, for many of us, so drastically. But it's constricting pressure. He said it felt like that. In times of trouble, it, it feels like the room's closing in. It feels like that, uh, that things are being constricted in our lives, narrowed. He said also in times of trouble, it's perplexing to our mind. Obviously, with our troubles of, of today, our mind, we, we think of real fears, and there are real fears, and then we think of imagined fears of, uh, as well. And so it's easy for fear to grip our lives and our mind to become perplexed with the reality of our present troubles. But he reminds us that we are not abandoned and we're not in despair. Now, what was the, the reason for Paul's hope? Well, the reason for Paul's hope was grounded in the reality of what he believed to be true about his God. That his God indeed is ever-present. That his God indeed is all-powerful. And that his God indeed has wisdom, grace, and mercy. So on one hand, you recognize the reality of living in a world that is filled with troubles. But on the other hand, we realize that there is a God, and He is on His throne. So we, we look to Him. He said in times of trouble, sometimes troubles put us to flight. He said it's, for Paul, it was like the feeling of being persecuted and put to flight. Um, and, and it was that for him. And then it said that it, was, it made him feel to be cast down. You know, I'm reminded as we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and especially, you know, coming together as a body of, of a church online is just kind of odd because we're used to, to all the social interaction. Um, but I've, I've reminded myself about the Apostle Paul that we have four prison epistles that Paul wrote. He wrote those confined, by the way. He wrote those in the confinement of a prison. And we have much of the New Testament, uh, uh, particularly, I'm thinking of four particular epistles that, that Paul has given us during time of deep trouble in his own life, a deep of confinement that he was experiencing. So these were all troubling. This is nothing new. There's nothing uncommon in a world that's filled with troubles to deal with pandemics and to deal with all kinds of things that trouble our mind. This is one more to remind us that life is indeed fragile and that the, how fragile our life is is that we're all vulnerable to the reality. It reminds us again 
that in time, in, in, in the process of time, we deal with our frailties and our own mortality. It reminds us of that. It reminds us of that, and, and this is indeed nothing new. But the Scripture goes on to say, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that we now have this light that is shining in our hearts. Now, I like that. We have a light that is shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are fragile clay jars. Think about that. We're fragile j- clay jars that contains a great treasure. That it makes it clear. He said the evidence of, of the clear reality of God is that it is clear that it's, it is a great power that is from God and not ourselves. So the power and reality is that we live in an earthen vessel. And these times can remind us to get back to the simplicity of life. The simplicity versus a hurried life, an anxiety-filled life. To again have our foundation and anchors of our soul that are grounded in personal relationship with God and in our family particularly. Let me challenge you during this time. This is a prime opportunity for you to gather around as a family and open your Bible. This is a prime opportunity for you as a family to have family devotions and to share together as a family the greatness of God at work in your lives. And I would also encourage you to journal these things. As, as, you, as you are growing in this time, clean hands, yes, but also a pure heart before the Lord. Clean hands and a pure heart. So we have this, this light that is shining within us as a fragile clay jar. The big idea of this message this morning is this. Troubles do expose the frailties of our, of our fragile life, our tr- fragile lives. But it also reveals the treasures our heart holds most dear. It, it brings us back to reevaluate our own lives, to examine ourselves. Our relationship with God what matters in life, the importance of relationships, the importance of kindness, the importance of gentleness, the importance of all the things that we would know as the fruit of the Spirit. So I want to give you, I want to give you four things to look at as, as a part of how you deal with trials in, in troubling times. The first one is this, is found in chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter um, 4, Verse 1 of Second Corinthians, he says, Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we will never give up. So my challenge is simply for you during this time is that, is that you would lean into God's mercy. You would turn to God. Turn to God and into His mercy. 
Only you know where you're at in your heart where God is concerned. I have good news, and the good news is if you've never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, you can do that. You can turn to Him. He will receive you. He loves you. He dies for you on a cross. He rose from the grave that you can live forever. And the power of that life is a living reality that invades our lives, our hearts. And we find that God is merciful. God has given us mercy in so many ways. He shares His mercy in a common grace every day of our lives. It's when troubles come that reminds us again of our frailties. But it also should remind us of the reality of God's mercy. And Paul said it this way. He said, with this mercy, it's a new way. Think about that. I I take encouragement in that. It's the new way. It's God's way. In other words, God allows us in His mercy to come and simply trust Him. To trust Him. Trust Him in in the reality of our troubles. And the Bible reminds us that we can cast all of our cares on Him because He cares for us. Even as His eye is on the sparrow... He knows our hearts, and He knows you, and He loves you, and He desires to have relationship with you. He desires to have renewed fellowship with you. Maybe you've been caught up in the busyness of life, in the busy life, and it's so easy in the busy life that we get too busy for actually the things that really matter. But it's an opportunity for us to turn to God and look to His mercy. And I'm glad that He is indeed the God who is all-merciful. And you can cling to Him. Matter of fact, one of my favorite prayers has been a, a prayer that's very simple. It's very simple, and I use this prayer often. And it's simply this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. And then you can fill in the blank. Lord, have mercy. With whatever's on your heart. There was a time in the life of John Newton who was uh, a merchant, businessman, mariner. uh, And uh, he owned his own ship. And uh, as you know, the story of John Newton, he was the author of Amazing Grace he, he um, had left all of his religious convictions that he had grown up with. And the reality of his life was that he was just simply focused on his work, on his business, on sailing. And John Newton records in his journal that it was on an evening when there was a great tumultuous storm that began to beat on his, his boat and upon all of the workers there that were on that boat. He was frightened. Now, this is a man that had given up basically any kind of his religious or relationship convictions of a child, as a child, that he'd been raised with. And John Newton was there, and, and he simply cried out to the Lord for mercy 
And amazingly, the boat was saved from harm. He later goes back to his cabin and he begins to write the story of what had happened that night. And it was that night that John Newton turned his life back to God. He indeed knew that the Lord was the Lord who was filled with compassion and mercy. Oh, we have a high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Thank God. And so he writes the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And then he writes the, this verse that we've found comfort in, in so many situations in life, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and His grace will lead me on. Hallelujah to the God of mercy. He is indeed that God of mercy in times of trouble. I want you to look with me at verses 3 through 7. It is we can transform our troubles as opportunities to, com to comfort others through encouragement. He said this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. He said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. And notice this. He is the source of our comfort. I would, that's why I would encourage you to go to the right source for your comfort. And it is in your relationship with God. And then he goes on to say he comforts us in all of our troubles. But it's not in vain so that we can comfort others. And you can do that through social media particularly. He says when they are troubled we are able to give them the same comfort the same comfort that God has given us. I want you to think about your life even this. For, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more we, that God will shower us with His comfort through Christ, even when we are weighed down with troubles. It is your comfort and salvation. God has made it to be like a conduit. So as we deal with troubles in our life, as we deal with our own fears, our own concerns, all the realities of life that we obviously deal with, it is an opportunity for us to be an encouragement to our fellow man. To check on people. To make phone calls. To, to uh, in this time of social distancing, physical distancing particularly, but it's, it's an opportunity that, that we can have to, to check on folks. And to provide encouragement. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that he's talking about in his passage. It is, his comfort is this idea of, an, of being an encouragement. We see also in in uh, second in second or I'm sorry, uh, um, the next thing that we see is that we can trust the sufficiency of Christ's strength over our own insufficiencies. In verses 8 through 9 of chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, he said this. He said, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through at the province of Asia. We were crushed and were overwhelmed. And notice what Paul said. I don't take this lightly. He said, 
he, he felt crushed and overwhelmed, even beyond his ability to endure. It was like the, uh, it was more, he, he felt like that he couldn't handle it. And we, he said, we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we were expected to die. But as a result, we stopped. He said this, though. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. In other words, he recognized that God was there with him. That God had not abandoned them. And that God was indeed giving them the sufficient strength in Christ over the feelings of his own insufficiency. Again, trust. An old Southern Baptist pastor who's years has been years gone now, Vance Havner, tells a story of a a little a little lady who was so troubled. She was so troubled, and she shared her troubles. And some are many of her troubles were real, and some were imagined. And her family gathered around her and tried to console her. And finally, somebody says, Grandma, you're just going to have to trust God. And he said a, a, a despairing look came over her face. Said, is it come to that? And Vance Havner in his, in his wisdom said, it always comes to that. It always comes down to trusting God. It always does. We can trust in the sufficiency of Christ, the power and reality of His resurrection and His life that lives in us and through us. We're also reminded that troubles are temporary. Now, if you're in, and you are at home listening to this, that's a good place to say amen. Troubles are temporary. Amen. They expose our frailty in time. So place your treasure in what is eternal. There's an old song that I like. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to his hand. To God's unchanging hand. You'll find that God's hand's there for you. Hold to his hand. Cling to his hand. Hold to his hand. Troubles are temporary. They only expose our our frailty in time. So we look to eternity. We look to the reality of the God who's living. The God who raises the dead. The power and reality of who God is. Jesus himself resurrected from the dead. He said, because I live, you shall be live, live also. Let not your heart be troubled, he told his disciples, and neither let it be afraid. So, troubles expose the frailties of our fragile lives in time. We have an opportunity to treasure what's eternal and can't be taken away. Has eternity gripped your heart? Now's the time to look to God. Now's the time to to be encouraged in your faith. Now is the time to look to Christ. Now's the time to cling to Him like Mary did at the garden tomb now is the time to cast all your care on him and to know that he is the God who has not forgotten you and he's the God who wants to 
come into your house and knock on your door and says, let's sit down and fellowship together. The King James calls it sup. That we come, to, that we come together and we commune with Christ. It's a powerful reality that the eye that is on the sparrow is the eye that is watching over you. It's the, and he cares with a great care. John Thomas is going to come share the story about his eyes on the sparrow. And then he's going to lead us in this song together. And I would, I would just encourage you that you would sing along with him. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow and I know. I know he's watching over me. Dear friend, he is. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I. this could be an opportunity to, for you to enter a relationship with Christ. He loves you. He's not forgotten you. He cares about what's on your mind. Matter of fact, he, His death on the cross meant this, meant that He carried for us what we could not carry for ourselves. Power and reality. That He died for our sins. And He was raised that we could be justified before God. That means to be brought into a right relationship. Trusting Jesus is simple. It's saying, Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received Him gave Him the power or the right or the authority to become a child of God. The power and reality is, is that you can trust Jesus where you're at. You don't have to be in a church building. No, God's, God's already... He's already there with you. Gentle knock on the door. Reminders of trouble. Reminds us our need of a Savior. And all how we need Him. It may be going through your mind, but Greg, you don't know. I don't have to. He knows. And I do know this. Although I may not know the details and don't need to know the details of your life. There's a God who does. And I can rest assured, you can rest assured this, because of the nature of who God is, He still loves you. You've never been out of His mind. You've never been out of His mind. And that's why the cross. If you ever wonder if God has dealt with troubles, well, look at the cross. And then He gives us His presence, the power and reality of His Spirit to live in us, among us. To remind us, gentle reminders and nugs, of nugs, uh, tug upon our heart. I would call it a nugget of our heart too. That we're just not alone. So our mind may be encompassed with all kinds of things, fears. Loss of peace, loss of joy. But we're going to pray. 
And I would invite you to pray right where you're at. To pray to the God who hears. The God who knows. Father, we are thankful that we've not been left to despair. But Lord, we have been given the greatest hope. Our firm, confident expectation. That you're God. Father, I pray for the one today that is hearing this message. I pray that you'd help them to simply trust. To confess to you that they're indeed a sinner. And to trust you to bring salvation to their hearts. Give them faith to simply trust. Father, for others are dealing with the perplexity of, of emotions and in our, of our mind, perplexities in our mind. We are confident, Lord, that we can bring our cares to you, the living God. You said to cast them over onto you. Your burden is easy and your yoke is light, Lord. Give us faith to trust you and to lean into you for Jesus' sake. It is in his name we pray and God's people say together, Amen. Well, I lived in New York City for a while, and while I was there, I got a chance to play around town at some of the Starbucks coffee houses. Uh, some of you have heard of Starbucks, I'm sure. They're, they're kind of a new coffee company coming up in the world. Uh, yeah, I'm sure most of you have heard of them. Well, in New York, if you've ever been there, you know that everywhere you look, there's a Starbucks. You can sit in one Starbucks and drink your coffee and wave at somebody in the Starbucks across the street. I'm not kidding. There's that many. They're everywhere. And so I got a chance to play around town with this percussionist and a singer for a while. And one night, it was a cold November night, we were playing at the Starbucks on 51st Street and Broadway. Now, that's just north of Times Square. So it's the crossroads of the world, basically. There's millions of people that walk by there every day. And so because of that, that Starbucks never closes. They're open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. They never close. And uh, so it's always packed, always crowded. And they had us shoved in the back corner of the store so we'd be out of the way of the coffee traffic. It's not like we were a featured act. Um, people just came in for coffee and we were background music. So we could play whatever we wanted to play. And we did. We just picked our favorite songs. We'd do old songs from the 20s and current pop, gospel, country, show tunes, you name it. We did it. And this one night we decided to do this song from the 60s by Melvin and the Blue Notes that goes, If you don't know me by now You will never, never, never know me Ooh. So, some of you know that one? I, I can't see you raising your hands, but I imagine that a lot of you know it. Some of you would be afraid to admit it in church, but hey, it's a great song, and we were doing it, and I noticed there was a lady singing along. She had a beautiful voice, and when she finished... Uh, she walked up to me and said, I hope you don't mind if I sing along. And I said, no. I said, you can sing all night as far as I'm concerned. 
You're the first person who's even paid attention to us all month. So you sing as much as you want. And I said, as a matter of fact, why don't we play for you and you do a solo? And she said, hmm, I can do that. And I said, I know, I just heard you sing. So uh, I said, what do you want to sing? And she said, well, do you know any hymns? And I said, I'm a preacher's kid. Are you kidding? Let's do a hymn in Starbucks in Manhattan. That sounds incredible. And I said, which one do you want to do? And she said, well, I don't know. There's so many good ones. I, I can't decide. You just pick it. And I said, okay, why don't we do His Eyes on the Sparrow? And when I said that, she got really quiet for a minute, and she looked down at the floor, and then she finally looked back up at me, and she said, yeah, let's do that one. And I said, okay, what have I got myself into here? And so I started to play, and she started to sing, and her voice filled that coffee shop. She had one of these deep contralto voices that makes windows rattle when she sings, you know. It was just great. And when she started singing, everybody stopped what they were doing. They put their coffees down. They turned their chairs toward us. They stopped talking. The, the employees quit working. They shut down the cash register and the coffee grinder and that thing that frosts up milk for cappuccino that goes... <laughs> it all came to a stop while this woman sang, his eyes on the sparrow. And when she was finished, you'd have thought we were in Carnegie Hall instead of a Starbucks. It just exploded in there, and people started screaming for more, just clapping and going, encore, encore. Well, that embarrassed her, and so she put her hand on her hip, and she turned around, and she goes, y'all go back to your coffee. I came in here to get a drink, not do a concert. And she said, when she said that, everybody kind of laughed, and they turned their chairs back around and went back to their coffee and their conversation. The employees went back behind the counter, and it was business as usual again at Starbucks. Well, she turned around to me and she grabbed my hands and she said, thank you so much. You just made my night. And I said, well, you just made my year. That was amazing. And she said, well, it's funny that you picked that song. And I said, why is that? She said, that was my daughter's favorite song. I said, really? She said, yeah. She was 16 years old and she died of a brain tumor last week. And when she said that, you could have knocked me over with a feather. But she gripped my hands a little tighter and she started to cry. So I just sat there and held her hands and waited. And finally she stopped crying and I said, are you going to be okay? And She said, yeah, I'm going to be all right. I just got to keep trusting the Lord and singing his praises and everything's going to be okay. And then she gathered up her things and put her coat on and she walked out into that cold November night. And I never saw her again, but on the way home that night on the train, I thought, how sad that people still believe in coincidence. Somebody might hear that story and say, wow, what a coincidence that you just happened to be at that Starbucks. What a coincidence that she just happened to walk in. Of all the Starbucks in all the world, she walks into mine. She wasn't even from New York. She was passing through from Minneapolis. Somebody might hear that story and say, wow, what a coincidence. She wanted to sing a hymn. And you just happened to pick the hymn that was her daughter's favorite who had just died. Well, I don't think any of that's coincidence. 
I think that's just one more example of how God reaches into our world and he brings people together. And he arranges events to remind us over and over if we're paying attention that no matter what happens, if we keep on trusting him and we keep on singing his praises, no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay. should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and
Thank you for joining us for today's service and so thankful to have John Thomas with us and you joining us online. And I just want to encourage you to uh, keep up with uh, our Facebook page. Uh, that's primarily where you will see our forums. We do have Bible study forums that will be online and actually they are interactive. Um, so you can sit right in your living room and or wherever you would like and you can join our bible studies on wednesday night so i want you to keep keep looking for those um our our technology director dan our minister of technology is is been very tirelessly working to make sure that we have opportunities to, to stay connected as as a church body know that you're loved and know that uh that god loves you thank you again for joining us on this the Lord's day. And we will do this uh, until further notice, I would think. Um, so we just keep praying and praying for God's mercy uh, and His grace. And our prayers are with you. Blessings to you. And now may the peace of the Lord go with us now and forever. In Christ we pray.